Hello, I'm Brad. And I'm Jason. You are listening to Dice, Dice in, in My Mind. We have talked about um, Dragon Age, mm-hmm. Fantasy Age, and now Modern Age RPGs. And Jace, you and I um, in the past talked about the 3D6 system they have. Yeah. And it's unique. And really I think you even too. use the term, there's an elegance to it. Yeah, there really is. So um, today we're going to have Malcolm Shepard on from uh, what I have come to, we both now know right. as Green Ronin. Green Ronin. Mm-hmm. Um so Malcolm is up in outside of Toronto, as I remember. So he's been, um, we've been, um, they have been very gracious to allow him to, to join us and for him to take the time to join us. So we, we, this will be a long interview because we yeah. really are um, going to have a good conversation, not only about the age system, mm-hmm. uh, the adventure game engine. I think I use advanced game engine in the past mm-hmm. and I was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, the adventure really, game engine we got into but, the weeds. I mean, Malcolm was really indulgent. And so we really get into the mechanics uh, yeah. at, at a few points. Yes. Yes. So enjoy the interview um, with Malcolm Shepard. Green Ronin developer at large, Malcolm Shepard has over 20 years of experience in the RPG industry as a writer, designer, and developer, starting with work on the mage, the Ascension line for white wolf. His other credits include work on exalted, Shadowrun, Scion, Vampire the Masquerade, numerous Chronicles of Darkness titles, Blue Rose, and Fantasy Age. Now at Green Ronin, his work focuses on the modern age RPG, along with other age system works, though he's also developed Orc, the role-playing game, and performed writing and editing duties for the Sword Chronicle RPG. Malcolm lives in Ontario, Canada, and coaches historical fencing, rapiers, and longswords and such on the side. So we have a treat today. We have Malcolm Shepard, who is, if I have this correct, developer at large Indeed. for Green Ronin Publishing. And do I now I'm using my Midwest accent when I pronounce it. Am I mispronouncing that? We do Green Ronin. Green Ronin. Okay. See, I heard You're you mention here first. that before. Yep. yep. So um You've obviously been deeply involved in um, the modern age RPG, which is obviously based off of the age. Um, the I think it's the advanced game engine, the age system. adventure game engine. Adventure game engine. Right. Thank you. So it started um, in started in Dragons, um, Dragon Age, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. And uh, the system has been kind of backronymed into Adventure Game Engine since, as we've applied it to other things. So, okay. and that would be, I guess, three other games now. What, what, games. Which is weird because no major franchise would ever retcon anything. <laughs> <laughs> Sarcasm, <know>. Jace? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you know, the name of the Dragon Age world is called Thetis, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know where that comes from? No. no. The Dragon Age setting. That's awesome. I'm sorry. That's awesome. Uh, so it is. It is that. the. It is the Lexus of worlds. Yeah. <laughs> that's so, awesome. So, so you you came over and started working with. Uh, we talked a little bit, obviously, before we hit record. Mm-hmm. Um, you were brought in to implement a modern version of a modern game using the Age Engine, mm-hmm. right? So. Um, what's a broad, it's a broad question, but when you say modern and modern age, what does that mean? Um, we kind of have it, the kind of rough target we had was, um, was like late 18th century to near future. Right. Um, you know, although it is like, you know, it, it, it gets on the, jankiest probably if you're trying to run like something set during like you know the oh yeah you don't 
like the American Revolutionary Period um, or something like that, right? I mean, we do mm-hmm. have rules for black powder firearms and things like that. Oh, yeah. Um, and in the Modern Age Companion, we do have a bit of an unpacking of, of that period um, with the kind of piracy focus. But, hmm. um, you know, I think it's probably strongest uh, once you get to 20th, 21st century. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, but you know, the big challenge I would think is that like modern is not a genre, right? Right. So, you know, modern is a period, not a genre. And we've certainly seen games that have sort of tried to do generalized modern play before, right? Mm-hmm. And they just they end up kind of getting a having a tinker toy quality to them, right? Yeah. Which isn't bad if you're into that kind of thing, right? But our goal wasn't really to do something like say GURPS right right um and on the other hand you also have say like you know uh back in the mists of time of course we had d20 modern and um and that was an attempt to sort of figure out how to do niche like because they tried for kind of ability score based niches too right Mm -hmm. um and I know a lot of people love it. Actually, my my friend Justin's going to kill me for this, but I was never particularly taken by that approach, mm-hmm. um, although it's a perfectly valid approach. So I wanted to kind of do something different. And I thought maybe the tools to supply the genre elements mm-hmm. so that people could make it their own would kind of be the the real, one of the real signatures of of the approach we were taking, right? So that's what kind of evolved into the modes in modern age. So for uh, those of you listening at home who are not familiar with modern age, uh, the uh, way modern age works is that there are all, there are three modes and we have rules that are uh, changed or implemented according to mode. And the three modes are gritty, which is as close to, you know, reality although games are never really close to reality as as you can kind of get and that's one where like you don't get tougher as you get more experienced um getting shot can really ruin your day um there are some stunts and other things that work differently and even some things like wealth accumulation works a little differently right um in gritty mode you got to save your pennies Mm -hmm. a little more uh because of the way the resources system works um pulpy is kind of the in-between one and it is actually my favorite mode and it's kind of what i default when i to when i run it um and that is you know uh, your competence allows you some moderate increases uh in ability uh in in tight situations and you know bullets can ruin your day but they're a little more survivable and uh, you know, being stabbed or beaten with a baseball bat isn't quite as bad as it would be, right? Um, and then you have cinematic, which is essentially like right. you have fantasy age or like trad D&D style power scaling, right? And that affects everything. You know, you can reach superheroic levels of, a, of, of competence um and and, um you know and we even sort of have rules in the resources section where you just don't really worry about money after a certain point right interesting because it's to make you know i guess i don't know i i'm trying to think of like what are good cinema what are good examples of that of uh from movies so i'm thinking of hawkeye to be honest yeah, Hawkeye is definitely on the pulpy end, right? Mm-hmm. The way it's, you know, because the he takes a, you know, people take a licking, but they can kind of get up. Right. Um, right. <laughs> right. But, you know, um, cinematic, I think, would be actually cinematic would be like Hawkeye as he appears in the Avengers as opposed yeah. to on Hawkeye. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Very good point. Right? Yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. you know so yeah, it's yeah. funny and that's actually one thing that i have been thinking of with age and we've talked about like in the threefold book there's some discussion of it um which is a setting book for modern age but i yeah. uh 
I'm really interested in finding a way to do like slick shifts in mode within the same campaign. Interesting. Right. Because uh -huh. not, you know, because that's the way it, that's the way it is in a lot of the media. Right. I mean, yeah. you will have because it has to do with the context uh, in, in right. which things like action is happening. Right. So, you know. But that's what we kind of went for is uh, is developing these tools that will work for multiple genres. So we do have like we have magic and we have psychic powers, mm -hmm. uh, but we have a couple of different options for how they work. Um, and that's what sort of the line kind of continuously expands on because we have the Modern Age Companion, which has a whole bunch of yeah. optional additions. Um, and uh, we have the mastery guide, which is, you know, which is available for pre-order and is very close to being available in print. Um, nice. Right. And that has, aside from some player and game master advice, right, because we kind of combine the player's guide and the GM's guide into one book. Yeah. Um, also has a bunch of options along those lines, right? Um, so things like, you know, if you want to do something like, you know, if you want to blow up a building or something and you don't want to go through, you know, rating it as a hazard and doing all this stuff, right? We have some rules for that. And we have rules for um, just various different approaches to the game that range from the highly specific, you know, like, well, what if you want specific conditions attached to injuries Right. We've got that to the very loose, which is, you know, let's say you want low res characters that you can make in five minutes that only have three ability scores. Yeah. Um, and or let's say you want to run it diceless. We even have rules for that. Right. Oh, wow. So the idea wow. is yeah. to provide all of these options, Jeez. but not necessarily go the. Go the GURPS hero route of having everything. Yeah. Uh, where you can kind of deconstruct everything. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and so that's kind of been the, been the goal, right? Mm -hmm. I, I wonder, as a writer, writing for a, quote, modern age, no pun intended, mm -hmm. but as you said, in terms of a, of, a, of a time, not merely a tone, does that present any unique challenges or affordances compared to the more fanciful, like, like, you know, dragons and fantasy or, or future stuff with expanse. What's it like having to write within a quote unquote modern time period? Well, um, one of the things you have to do is like, you know, <laughs> well, we live in a society. So in modern games, um, yeah. And keep in mind, I am not saying that with support for any other thing that the statement we live in a society has <laughs> yes. ever been attached to. But because, <laughs> yeah. because modern era game, you know, because most modern era are 20th, 21st century, right? Yep. So, you know, we have cops and governments and yep. it's yep. not like you go into the, you know, you don't go into the woods and, right. you know, waylay who's ever in the nearest rundown structure unless mm -hmm. you're a psychopath mm -hmm. so um yeah that creates a couple of elements first of all that's why we have the resources system instead of you know cash money because mm -hmm. you know as in a in the modern era people are economically complex creatures right like right. i've got you know I have a number of bank accounts and I have a credit card and a line mm -hmm. of credit and I have student loans that I paid off and I have a credit rating and, you know, am I going to write all that down, uh, down in, for a fictional character? God, right. yeah. I hate doing it even for myself. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> so of course we're going to abstract that. Uh, it also means that for things like adventure design, you do have to consider those things, right? Um, it also means that sometimes the impetus to do things is less obvious. So one of the things that we added to modern age was the idea of the drive. So you have a drive, which is like a character trait, and it gives you like a mechanical benefit of some kind, uh, with the idea that someone with your personality is inclined to pick up this benefit. But the main thing is the purpose of a drive is 
to answer why your character always says yes to going on the adventure. Okay. Right? Yeah. The premise of every drive is that, yeah. and the premise of every modern age character, this is something which you, the player, are not free to choose otherwise. Sorry. Right. Uh, is that you are always motivated to participate. Interesting. And your drive tells you why you are always motivated to participate. Okay. Because I never want to run a, you know, five people meet in a bar and argue right. about why they should even do anything ever again. I never <laughs> want to do that. Nobody wants to do that. Even the people who cause the problem of why would I want to join the party? They don't really want to do it either. So it just occurred to me if this is this like obstacle in play yeah. that everybody hates, why leave it even, why even leave it as a possibility? Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's the, you know, that is the rule. You have a drive and the drive says, the drive says you have to go on, you are in your personality inclines you to go on the adventure. Nice. Right. With, with you, with you doing that, that's, this is interesting. So coming up with drive, um, when you have those type of, of, pieces to the game that you're adding was this something that you know you were discussing in a group or were you kind of driven to to hash this out yourself and bring it out how does how does that type of development work and i know and it could be multiple ways of course it's just it's well, curious I mean, to see the inside mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well um you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna just I mean, part of it is that there are ideas, you know, there are always ideas floating around, right? Mm -hmm. One of the things about working for a company like Green Onion that has been around for a little while is yeah. they have a lot of stuff that they wish they were doing, that they wanted to do, that they planned. and couldn't. So yep. you have a massive amount of inspiration from that. And part of it's from my own career, because, you know, if you remember things like Nature Demeanor from Storyteller, right? Drive, it has some heavy structural similarities and also, but the big one I think would be blue rose because blue rose has that kind of personality mechanic as well, except I forget what it's called right now, which uh, <laughs> it's all right. Yeah. But what I'm going to do actually now is I am going to look for the original modern age outline so oh, interesting questions more yeah it's a good thing about da, 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 modern remember remember when we had to put all this stuff in manila folders and search and search and search or composition books <laughs> I, still, yeah. I still like a composition book from the back in the day the black bound ones. never got into those yeah right all you're right. still an analog person though there we go. Yeah, so I'm true. looking at the outline and yeah. So just to let you know, the outline for the game, it was about 4,000 words and over eight pages. Yeah. Um, wow. And it was basically the way I did it for this one was, first of all, there was a big discussion with uh, Chris Pramus, who invented the age system, okay. and especially with Steve Kenson, um, who is just this excellent game designer, you know, um, who, you know, he designed Mutants and Masterminds, and he's been integral to Chronicle and Age, especially Blue Rose for Age. Um, so the... Do, 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 do. Part of it is, you know, because modern is a genre, it really gave us right. a chance to kind of go back to the the well, um, mm -hmm. to see what innate things we kind of want to do in a game. So, uh, looking at the outline, you know, um, I in my experience, the three legs. This is what I wrote. In my experience, the three legs of modern gaming are action, fighting, chases, that sort of thing. Blah blah blah. Exploration, finding out things with feet on the ground and investigative abilities, and social. Right. So all the design is supposed to kind of, that's kind of in the beginning. So all the design is kind of supposed to proceed from that. Um, and, you know, we have the kind, you know, the idea is that we want various levels of heroism. Uh, the game has to be freewheeling, which is, you know, we support GM improvisation. 
and that things are character driven. Um, and I'm looking at the very large list in the character creation. And ah, there we go. So yeah, so basically the idea was that uh, we were looking at fantasy age kind of comparable for comparable character generation stuff. Yeah. Except that fantasy age has classes, right? So a lot right. of things, uh, it has classes and it has what we called races, but we'll no longer call races in the new edition uh, yeah. ancestries. And nice. um, so we kind of looked at what the sum total of a package you got through fantasy age was and thought like, how much of that do we want in modern age? And, uh, and how are we going to structure it? So part of it is that drive was a handy way to provide a chunk of character improvement that we thought would be uh, comparable to fantasy age and work yeah. within another age game, but also attach it to the idea of things being character, character driven. Right. Um, so, but you know, the trouble with seeing a game is character driven without providing direction to what mm -hmm. characters are going to do is that you know well in the worst case scenario you end up accidentally telling every all the players to be really selfish and then they don't get along mm -hmm. right yeah. <laughs> so, yeah so the idea was to kind of get past that and immediately make drive you know the reason you have to go on the adventure yeah it's clever right? um and it also means it also just cuts through a lot of stuff too, because other other because there's only the trouble with carrot dangling stuff is that mm. in many ways it's kind of insincere, right? Yeah. Because you know, if this is your chance to get loot and experience, well, you know, you're always going to get loot and experience by participating in the adventure. Like, how much more can the GM give you without? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and of course, if they make things easy for you, you don't want things easy for you. You want the challenge of playing a game, right? Right. Um, right. And you don't want to ev even more stress out the inherent double think of as the character, you want things to be easy. As the player, you don't want things to be easy. Yeah, right. But you still want to win. You want to. Um, yep. So there's a way to resolving that. And so because trying to tempt players into participating uh, is tedious on both sides. Like just right. make it internal to the player. And certainly yeah. if the adventure isn't, if the adventure you're going on isn't to, uh, to your taste, then that's something where you should just have a chat with the GM right. um, about it. And the GM should also be receptive of the fact that they're engaged in a group activity. Mm -hmm. right so they should make those changes and that's the kind of thing that we talk about a bit in the mastery guide is open communication so nice. i i'm on a soapbox about this recently so i hope you'll indulge me but one of the things that yeah. i constantly see in forums and discords and things like that that absolutely breaks my heart is when people go i'm in this game doing this and i want to accomplish this how can i get it done right and it has to do with conflict, in-character conflict, mm -hmm. or a problem to do, or something. It's like, well, it's all fake, man. Like, <laughs> like, like, you know, you you're asking how to strategize against other people through the medium of a fictional world, but you're asking how to strategize against other real people, really. Right. right. And the thing is, it's a fictional world, so none of these gamuts matter. Like no amount of if you want to do something and they don't want to do it like no amount of game mechanical force will right. fix that for you you just mm -hmm. have to have the conversation you mm -hmm. have to have the out of character conversation and it has to be honest and people need to feel safe having those conversations too which i think is probably one of the big barriers right because I think on paper, people love to talk about, well, if I don't agree with my group, then I'm taking a hike or if I don't like this person and blah, blah, right. blah. But of course, when the rubber hits the road, a lot of times, what, these are your friends, right? Mm -hmm. So if you find like, you know, how do you broach the topic that you find the thing that your friend is into boring, right? Yeah. <laughs> 
it's tricky. Yeah. So you have to have some customary, you know, you have to have some customary sense of safety in order to yeah. proceed with those conversations. And it's, mm -hmm. and it's important to do that. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I figure that the idea with the drive is so you can move forward to have those conversations instead of noodling about trying to figure out your preferences yeah. while pretending to be someone else yeah which is this double cognitive load that you know no wonder those scenes are never fun right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. beyond the fact that it they don't move the game forward the amount of thinking about almost nothing you have to do right is is ridiculous so yeah it's funny you were t i i i'm fascinated by this idea of because it's funny, you don't, people don't really think about the fact that you may have, you and I may have a conflict in game as part of the game, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean we have to have, we have, that has to translate or transfer outside. You know, you could strategize on that. Yes. Um, I absolutely. I absolutely think people, whenever there's a situation like that, you should definitely always touch base out of character, right? And be cool with each other. And you know what? it's not cheating to even plan out your arguments ahead of time. Right. It's yeah. You know, um, to say like, Oh, we're going to fight about this and then we'll resolve it over this. And blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. like, it's okay to do that. It's, it's, you know, people part of the game. Know, yeah. It's part of the game. I mean, people plan their care, you know, people will plan like 20 level freaking character builds in D and D right. <laughs> it's, it's okay to plan right. how a social conflict. Right somebody else is going to go to right i'm gonna i'm gonna cheat and ask because you, you you mentioned it so classes are changing in the new edition so there's a new edition coming out on the fantasy age side is that what you well mean? kind of it is a new edition in the sense that um things are everything else is about 90 percent backwards compatible mm -hmm. um okay. and for the remaining 10 percent, we have you know notes here and there um, but one of the things that's happening in fantasy age is there's a new class, the envoy, and that is our kind of social investigation class, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, that's the, you know, the face type character, because one of the things in fantasy age is that, you know, we have the three character class structure, which of course, you know, uh, you may was in Dragon Age and it's in Blue Rose and you may remember it from the original Blue Rose and from True, True 20, right? Um, and it's worked well. In Fantasy Age though, the rogue uh, really kind of ended up being a kind of more physically oriented character okay. and less of, a, less of a generalist in the expert type characters that uh, we saw in other implementations of that. So but the thing is, is that rogues are kind of, you know, if you were to try to add more to the rogue, I don't think you would end up with a coherent character type to yeah. play. Uh -huh. um, and so consequently, you know, that kind of creates that gap, right? Especially as we kind of came to the conclusion that with fantasy age, right? Um, fantasy age, because uh, it kind of has more of a freewheeling cinematic running around yeah. adventure vibe yeah. whereas in a lot of sort of trad fantasy gaming right you know dungeon trudge right mm -hmm. and nothing against dungeon trudge you know uh dungeon trudge and hex, hex crawling and things like that where um the social element is less important than right. the exploration and action elements mm -hmm. right but um but because things are a little more uh, scenario and story structured in, in adventures that tend to be associated with fantasy age, mm -hmm. um, having that socially focused character becomes, becomes important. Mm -hmm. well, that's, so, coming, that's coming at some point then. Yeah. That is coming at, that is uh, our plan is, is early next, early next year. Nice. Oh, cool. Okay. First half of next year. So, so let me ask you a follow-up question to that, getting a little more into the mechanics, because I'm really, I'm really curious about this. So all of these games, they utilize the adventure game engine, right? Which mm -hmm. great name. So they utilize the, the age 3D6 yep. mechanic. Okay. Just just 
a really cool mechanic. I'm curious, in light of everything you've shared with us, where do you think age as a mechanic really shines in service of all these other elements? Um, I think it really shines with, uh, first of all, the straightforwardness and ease of use. Right. Uh, and it has a useful level of swinginess to it. Um, and this is something that, uh, uh, <laughs> it's funny. This is something I've had an interest in since before I worked at Green Ronin. And uh, I also uh, designed the, I was one of the designers and I designed the first iteration of the engine that is used in the story path system that is used with Onyx Path's recent games, right? Cool. Um, and that's when I started really getting interested in this idea of amplitude in terms of mechanics and events. So okay. one of the things that always got me about um, in newer systems, you have uh, fail forward type mechanics, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, where you can succeed or, you know, you might succeed at a cost or you might fail, but right. something happens and so on and so forth. I, I noticed that in play, you had a very, you had quite a bit of steadiness of results because something always happens. So you constantly right. have these right. beats, right? Yep. That yep. are fairly consistent. And that's great. And it gives you a sense of progress, but it doesn't feel yeah. that dramatic, right? Right. Because really for us, action takes place, right? Action that we find engaging takes place in kind of a wavy line because mm -hmm. it has to build anticipation. Um, Right. We have moments of failure so that meaningful success seems all the more sweeter later on. Yes. And one of the things that the age system does that is really great for that is its use of uh, the stunt die. So yeah. the stunt die, which is also called the drama die in Blue Rose in the Expanse, um, you know, the, to sort of sum up the basic age mechanic is we roll three six sided dice um with bonuses from an ability and a focus which is like a yeah. subset of an ability yeah. and uh, we try to meet or beat uh either an opposed role or a target number yeah. right so those aspects are pretty typical however one of the dice is visually distinct from the rest and that is called yeah. the stunt die or the drama die yeah. and if any two dice match then the result on the stunt die or drama die becomes a set of stunt points that you can use to get special effects. Mm -hmm. um, right. And some of these are to do things that in other games would be reflected by a maneuver of some kind. So we don't right. really do, you know, that's how we do grappling. For example, grappling is a stunt, um, right. right. Instead of a, like, um, make an opposed check and draw an attack of opportunity or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Right. So that and that happens slightly less than half the time. So you have these spiky bits. Right. Uh, with it, you know, uh, in your range of successes. And that's what makes the successes more interesting. Yeah. Um, and that also compensates for there's a certain amount of regularity, of course, because with 3D6, we have a bell curve result. Right. 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 So if you can meet the target number on average, you typically will. So uh -huh. obviously we want more dramatic spikes within yeah. those set uh, within the set of fairly regular results so it's a yeah. big deal for that however even if you don't get doubles the stunt die does display how successful you were mm -hmm. right within the set of successes however because the stunt die you know because the stunt die or drama die is one die out of 3d6 pool the results on it are linear right because mm -hmm. each case has the same chance of displaying the result although it will tend to skew higher because degree of success is measured within the set of successful roles. Okay. Does that make sense? Say more. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, basically the upshot of it is that uh, you can have fairly variable um, yeah. degrees of success. How yep well you jumped over you know jumped across the chasm or whatever yep right um and it's not it's not explicitly based on how high your total role was 
Yeah. So that allows it to be a little swingier. Yeah. However, yeah. there's a limit on its swinginess right. because again, it's the, it's the set of successful roles because all dice will tend to shove higher face numbers on a success than on a failure. Right. That includes the stunt die or drama die. So the stunt die or drama die will tend to skew higher. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Right? Excellent. Okay. That's what I meant. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. No, that's, <laughs> so, I re that that's really fascinating. I did not, I did not automatically see into that. Um, that's so clever. And I really like how you're putting it in terms of both swinginess and amplitude. Cause that really, that yeah. really, I mean, not all of our listeners can't also see the hand gestures that are yeah. really to, <laughs> yeah. to explain this, but Making the wavy hand, gesture. right. The wavy hand gesture helps a lot, yeah, but that sorry. is really a clever, that is really a clever mechanic. I mean, okay. So maybe this is a little out of, out of turn, but like, like Brad knows, I talk a lot about, I talk a lot about the narrative dice system just because mm -hmm. I really enjoy that from, well, the old FFG, but mm -hmm. you're right that one of its real limitations is it's pretty darn even, mm -hmm. right? Like you said, something else happens. And then I look at age and it reminds me. So when I got into role-playing uh, back uh, in uh, maybe high school, um, yeah, I think high school, uh, maybe a little, maybe, maybe, maybe whatever, junior high, but back, back much younger than I am now, I was introduced through Star Wars West End, right? Mm -hmm. And it was the second edition where they had that wild die. And so yeah. when I started reading about age, I was like, oh, look, it's like a wild die. But of course it is, yet it very much isn't. This is much more intentional, it seems, in design. Well, I mean, it's uh, the main thing is, again, to provide that, that punctuation, but also yeah. to do it because I think the one of the, there are a lot of, design things I think are kind of like Gordian knot things where yeah. you have right. this internal assumption about how things work. And then, you know, someone goes along, comes along and goes, you know, it doesn't have to work that way. Right. right. And I think with age and the stunt die, what uh, Chris Primus did that was so useful was we tend to think of stunts or special effects as this, treat or reward for performance yeah. right um so that makes us kind of put it on the top shelf as a thing you really have to reach to get right okay and so chris went all right just what if it just happens half the time right and everybody has access to it right uh, <laughs> so yeah. that That's means that everybody gets that swinginess instead of yeah. thinking yeah that instead of constantly struggling for it and getting it is that, you know, once a campaign, twice a campaign thing, which is just right. not, you know, not fun. Um, yeah. Needle in a haystack. Yeah. Just needle in a haystack. Well, it's just, I remember, I like, I think back to a couple of games back with our friend, this was before you, I well, actually, this was way before we knew you at all, Brad, but I think back with our good friend, Brian, like when we were kids playing, with you know Star Wars with the wild die, and there were one or two times over how many years where because of that mechanic it just went nuts, mm -hmm. right? And so you had these epic moments, mm -hmm. but that was all they were. They were just moments and mm -hmm. otherwise relatively unaffected gameplay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, based off of man. what you were saying about, because I was fascinated by the fact you could play, you could play without die, just based off of the material. Yeah. You could it could be completely story driven, and Jason and I have talked about the yeah. hyper crunchy systems versus the mm -hmm. complete yep. narrative non dice systems. Um, I know you're playing in a game right now, but if you were to uh, GM a game yeah. and start to pick up a GM game, what direction would you kind of head? I don't know. Um, like part of it is that I kind of have um, a project and a half. Uh, where I've made some innovations that I can't talk about <laughs> that, that are on my mind. Um, I think the big thing, uh, you know, I like, you know, we do have rules for diceless play in the mastery guide, okay. right? Um, where you use the pulp pool and, you know, and you can bid from it. Um, and diceless has a lot of interesting things. I think the problem with, a lot of diceless systems is that the designers don't explore them in a game mechanical way necessarily. So there's one game I can think of, which is also like a bid points kind of system. Right. And one of the things that 
people who do those systems tend to forget is that is the last bidder advantage if the bids are open, right? So if you bid three points and I know you bid three points, then I can bid four points and beat right. you, right? Yep. If I want, until I run out of points. So the system, what you end up getting is that that's a system that is no better than just comparing static ratings, right? Right, yeah. right. Um, right, so instead you, you do need to formalize the bid Right. So that's something that we talk about a little bit where, you know, it can, you know, where you can do simultaneous bids or you can do, you know, bids and stages and things like that. And the options provide different stuff. Um, I think, however, one of the things that I'm very into right now is, well, two things. The first is the fortune system from the expanse uh, in okay. terms of stuff from age. Um because the fortune system from the expanse is sort of its replacement of health, but it does more than health. And it's not really the same as health because fortune in the expanse, because the expanse is a setting where like everybody has ridiculously lethal weapons all the time. Right. Right. Uh, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. you, you know, fortune mm -hmm. represents the kind of the classic justification for accumulative hit points where like you just get out of the way. Right. <laughs> They're not meat points, right? Yeah. Um, but because uh, Steve Kenson, who designed it, kind of took that seriously, you can use it actively as well. So you can use it to boost uh, a die roll or actually uh, flip a die face so that you get the matches to generate stunt points, right? So you, yeah. spend for you can spend fortune to do that. Um, and as well, spend fortune to stave off injury. So I'm interested in that. I'm also interested in integrating it with bonds. Bonds are in blue rows. That's where we kind of first had the relationship mechanics that are in modern age as well, right? And so that gives you a rating that, uh, you know, indicates, uh, well, this person's my true love or this person is my sworn enemy. And when you do something in support of the bond and you succeed, you can spend bond points as stunt points Interesting. Um, in addition yeah. to, or instead of any, you might've gotten from double. So um, I have taken the bond system and I've done a couple of things in both published and unpublished projects. Um, but one of them is fantasy age Trojan war. Um, so in fantasy age Trojan war, uh, instead of relationships, we have divine bonds, which is your, you know, your relationship oh, yeah. with a Greek God. Um, you know, oh, yeah. and some of those, and there are positive and negative bonds, and they have different effects because you can invoke them to get help from your deity. And if you remember the Il if you remember your Iliad at all, uh, the gods are pretty active, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not it's not one of those things where you constantly have to emphasize like in D and D, like the yeah. classic thing is you, you, the DM tells you that the gods will never help you except through a cleric. Right. Right. Uh, justifying the existence of the cleric class. But uh, in this, right, the gods are active. So we have points that you can spend to get those kind of special effects. Um, also in the modern age companion, we had uh, fighting styles, uh, which used actually a variation of the relationship system just to say that you have these stunt points that you can spend on special effects when you are doing a particular fighting thing, right? Okay. So, and there were a couple of mechanics on top of that. So mm -hmm. I want to basically use fortune and I want to use this expansive bond system. And I kind of want to mix them up with yeah. some design innovations. Cause the big thing I kind of want to do is I want to do this thing where fortune has a relationship with bonds where it can, you know, bonds yeah. can refuel them or be fueled by them in return. Yeah. I haven't quite hashed it out yet. So I think the next thing I would want to run would be an experimental game that uses the basic age engine, but also has the fortune and bonds there as kind of in this separate mechanical cycle that affects yeah. those dice rolls. Very cool. So. It sounds to me like without giving away anything for, for those that are playing and those that are thinking about playing, um, the game is still iterating. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I think you, obviously the, I know that Chase laughs cause I tend to be a little liberal with my, um, 
currency buying books, but I already have the the game mastery guide on pre-order. Mm-hmm. Um, are there other, and I have um, Lazarus and threefold in my, in my library. Are there other things planned, whether you t- can talk about them or not? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There's a thing I can definitely talk about. We're doing something Please. called the cyberpunk slice. Oh, cool. Coming out, uh, soon it's written. Um, Steve Kenton and I worked on it and, uh, and it'll be coming out basically uh, when there's room to send it through the production process right. is art and layout. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's going to be an electronic product. So oh. that's, that's going to be a shorter electronic product, more mm-hmm. along the size of Trojan war. Okay. Cause when I worked on Trojan war and actually when I worked on the age conversion guide for lost Citadel discovered, I really liked working in that short format. Um, <coughs> The uh, other thing, of course, is Modern Age Powers, uh, which okay. has been announced, and uh, and it uh, it's nearly it's written, um, and it is substantially through the the layout production process. Nice, right? And that is that is something where the lead design on that was Steve Kenson because because he invented mutants and masterminds. So of course, I'm going to get Steve to do it right <laughs> um but it's not it's not like well now we're gonna have a modern age superhero supplement yeah, okay. um you could use it for that i think it would work well for tv superheroes more than it oh. would for comic book superheroes well, that's interesting you know there's kind of a difference right um in in the vibe of how they work you know uh-huh. uh but it uh it goes into it expands some of the magic and psychic stuff that we've had previously oh, and nice. consolidate some things it uh revises and expands the rules for powers that are in the modern age companion because we already do have some rules for powers in the modern age companion yeah. uh, it adds some new things like if you ever wanted a free form combined elements to create effect system for magic or other stuff oh. it's in there um you know, there's stuff for rituals, which is um, sort of generalizing some stuff that appeared in threefold. Yeah. Um, and there is a whack load of extraordinary items um, that have like magic origins or psychic origins or enigmatic origins. Like interesting. Um, <clears throat> I wanted a slate of, you know, things that are either inexplicable or alien or something like yeah yeah (coughs) Um, and there's some stuff for like melt your face off artifacts (laughs) but and that is a that's a bigger book that's going to be a hardcover release nice okay yeah so and so these are always i even though even the pdfs or epubs Mm -hmm. i tend to shoot to fedex and wire bind them sometimes just to keep them in the library Yeah. yeah Well, that's a busy queue, though. That sounds really good. Yeah, yeah. And I have, like, there is um, there is a, a there is a big, complete RPG that uses the Modern Age engine um, with some design developments. Mm-hmm. Um and it is going through kind of final phase development. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is all I can tell you about it right That's now. Different than the Kickstarter. That we're to do. This is something different. Which Kickstarter? You're saying this is what you're talking about is not a Kickstarter or anything. It's no, in, it's not a Kickstarter or anything. It's none Area 51, things, right? Yeah, now. none of these things are Kickstarters. It's yeah. just, you know, the Cyberpunk slice is, elect- is electronic, although there will probably be a pod option for it. Okay. Um, you know, Powers is a hardcover, and mm-hmm. this big new game will be a hardcover. Nice. It has to be because it's like 200,000 words, right? Yeah. So nice. <laughs> yeah. That's all I can tell you yeah. about it. Right. Can you say, oh, can and you of say course 20? And again, I'm not trying to push. Is that a 2023 thing, do you think, or 2022 or late 2022, early 2023? Nice. I just need to. No, I just need to start put money, putting money. Right, I was gonna say. So, yeah. 
That was yeah. more personal. That was more personal yeah. budgetary. And of budget. course, there's Fantasy A. It, there's the new Fantasy Age Core, which I think probably would be like mid next year. Okay, right? so a lot coming out from you guys. So, Man. yeah, it's kind of nice. Um, you know, like I said, the some of the you know recent stuff has certainly been a challenge to deal with. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, but some stuff like. Um, we did a Kickstarter for the Blue Rose Adventures Guide, which is like a 5e iteration mm-hmm. of Blue Rose. Uh, and, of course, a 5e version of the Book of Fiends, which is sort of uh, from the D20 area. And it's by Rob Schwab. So it's really gross. Uh, <laughs> it's about gross evil stuff. Um, and those are finally getting into human hands, right? Nice. After a little bit of wrestling to to get it yeah here so you know there's uh there's some good feelings about that yeah <laughs> happening yeah man i think the moral of the story then is i mean God, everybody should stay tuned to green ronin you've got a ton of stuff coming out across genres i i'm personally really curious about the cyberpunk but i'm just gonna have to wait for that that ebook to drop the other thing too is that like stuff is like I haven't even touched mutes and masterminds. Uh, that is the line that I have very little to do with, basically, mm-hmm. because I find because uh, I find the system intimidating really? <laughs> from a design perspective. I like playing mm-hmm. it, um, and one of my favorite releases from the company. Uh, I actually had nothing to do with. It's the uh, mutes and masterminds basic heroes handbook because. <laughs> Mutes and Masterminds is a heavy point by kind of thing, right? Uh-huh. So uh, it is in more in the tradition of, of hero girls, blah, 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 right? Except that in the Basic Heroes Handbook, uh, you they basically go like, you have these archetypes and customize them with three steps and you have a character and that character's math adds up to be the same as if you built them from the ground up. Okay. Right. Um, So it takes like material that, you know, it it takes material from a book that is closer to an inch thick and cuts it by like two thirds and gives you something that you can play with immediately. And it's compatible with the stuff in the Deluxe Heroes Handbook and the other M&M things Mm -hmm. because the formulas still work. Right. Nice. Nice. Um, and I love stuff like that because I am not a fan of, I really hate doing session zeros for things. Okay. Right. Cause it's kind of yeah. like, uh, I've seen so many games kind of die on the operating table. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause I can't get through. Yeah. Like right. Zero, right. Right. Cause there's hemming and hawing and then people talk about how their characters integrate and their schedule. And then it is next year. Yeah. <laughs> right yeah. so yeah and i generally like to get right to playing which is yeah. um so i love things like that and that's why there's you know there's support here and there in modern age to like shorten the character creation and game preparation processes as okay. much as possible okay that's awesome well yeah. hey thank you i'm big time. I, yeah thank you big time because i yeah. i've been fascinated by modern age we both have mm-hmm. Um, so we got a lot of info from the source and then we also have, um, you've given up enough teasers, um, now to keep it on the radar for a while and for me to make sure I save up money. Um, <laughs> but thank you again, Malcolm for, for coming on and hopefully as, as the year progresses and as things come out, you'll come back and join us. Cause I mean, obviously talking about the mechanics and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely fascinating. Yeah, well, fascinating. Well, you know, invite me back whenever you like. You got That's it. Awesome. You, you got it. Thank you, sir. All right, that was that was quite the informative interview. And and Malcolm, you teased us way too much yep. with with stuff that that is coming that will be coming out, but we don't know about yet. But independent of that, and the humor behind that, um, wow. Um, you know, thanks for taking the time. Yes, thank you for ta- and I mean thank you for getting into the details that you did. I mean the mechanics and everything. I really hope you'll come back because mm-hmm, I and mm-hmm. come back and at least talk. We may not even be able to ne- record it just because we'll we'll all geek out geek out about it. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. Or we'll have to save that for a Patreon episode or something where it's like three hours of us straight talking about this. I don't this. think any of our four listeners want to pay yet, but no. maybe oh, guys know, can dream. I'm, yeah. I'm it's, still, I'm still waiting for us to have to count our listeners on more than one hand. So that's right. That's right. Um, so that being said, phenomenal. Um, mm-hmm. Just real briefly, uh, you know, as you're going into, as we came into this, anything that you were working on or anything before in the DM corner? Yeah. So walking over the GM corner for a sec, you know, actually I was thinking of you, was it last night? I was flipping through digitally uh, my Pathfinder books. I haven't been, I haven't been in my Pathfinder books, right? I'm looking over at the shelf. Uh, I've got the core rule book, the uh, game mastery guide, which I think is one of the better ones out there. And then the advanced players guide. Uh, you know, kind of that core suite. And uh, I, I I was actually organizing the the PDFs. I was organizing them um, on my on my phone, actually, because, you know, what better place to read than on a 4.7 inch screen, but yeah. or whatever it is. But by the way, yeah. the 2000s called, they want their screen size back. You no, know, no, that no. This, phones, is, this is a legit. You know that there phone. are phones that actually are more than five inches. My right. my 14 year old now has an iPhone 12. And it is okay. absolutely gorgeous. See, right? See, see. Now, okay. Well, at least okay, you so know if you're that... if you're done interrupting my party of 1899, I will continue. I will. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I'll, I'll let okay. you go back to 2010 and with your phone. Thank you, my iPod phone. So, <laughs> yes. uh, uh, but no, I was in all seriousness. I was flipping through them just because I'm like, huh, I haven't in a while, and um, and it just kind of brought back uh, a real positive feeling. Uh, uh, we haven't played even talked pathfinder in a law in a couple of years actually i i listen well, we've talked it here oh you know you're i'm sorry you're right but 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 we've talked on the podcast but in terms of like you and and me talking about playing in the game i mean i inveterately listen to glass cannon podcast uh but but other than that i don't spend any any cognitive cerebral time in, in pathfinder not right not these days because i've had um for a number of reasons i've had trek and some other stuff so much in my thoughts and um i just it's the first time though i i picked up any of those books and flipped through and it brought me back brad to when i got back into rpging and finally gave up trying to convince you and brian to play star wars you're like you want to play pathfinder and i'm like why not and it just it's the first time i picked those up in a while it was just kind of it was just kind of fun to do that what uh what have you been playing around with this past week well it's funny you mention that because i i was looking over because i have a couple of the second edition books i have a number of the first edition books um i still love the system I still love what they did, what they took from the 3.5 system and how they changed it. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, my I I had too much of a, a time and learning deficit to be able to DM from ground zero or from from a base it's, level it's, when it's we decided to get. Game. Yeah, um, but I've been getting back, you know, reading other series. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got me thinking about taking that first edition out. Mm-hmm. and and looking at it again i know there's been a lot yeah. of updates and things in second edition but um there's just there's something about first edition for me you know mm-hmm. but beyond that um interestingly enough with us just talking to malcolm um modern age the other only thing i ever have the only thing i have new is the world of lazarus which is a campaign setting and i mm-hmm. can't tell you anything about it right now um other than it's kind of a dystopian type of um you know setting for nice. modern age and i'll so read it's, that and it's see intended how it to mirror real life oh if you had said that in 2019 i would have said no but since we have as you know no we're we are into our 26th almost 26th month, month <laughs> of 2020 right um I don't even know what the months are. I'll have to go back and see all the different months that the Romans and the Greeks use and just start making month names up. Right. Um, you know, it, it, nothing dystopian is really all that far from reality anymore. Seems not. So, no, Seems not. so, but well, yeah, on, thank you. Thank you. For, thank you to Malcolm. Yeah. And seriously. Really appreciate it. All right, everybody. Uh, we're going to wrap it there since we know we've kept you a while for this episode. We hope you enjoyed 
that insightful, informative interview with Malcolm Shepard. Uh, we are looking forward to seeing you all next week for our third in a series of five interviews and wait until you see with whom we are chatting. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. 